Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny's guest is intuitive medium and transformational leader, Lee Harris. The two of them will be discussing his newest book, Energy Speaks, Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, attorney turned life coach, Sunny Joy McMillan. We're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW, bringing you amazing coaches, teachers, authors, and healers who are on a mission to encourage you, inspire you, and give you tools to live a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, always access those show archives at 1150kknw.com. Um, you can find out more about me, connect with me for coaching through my website, which is goldenoversoul.com. And don't forget that you can access a free copy of my book at unhitchedbook.com. Um, of course, the book is called Unhitched, Unlock Your Courage and Clarity to Unstick Your Bad Marriage. And it really is designed for anyone who's feeling a little bit stuck in their relationship or marriage. Um, needs to make some tough decisions, wants a little bit of support on finding your inner wisdom, getting clear, and being courageous enough to take the steps that you decide upon. Um, so that's unhitchedbook.com for a free copy of that. And of course, I'm speeding through my housekeeping and my intro because I'm so excited to welcome back to the show Lee Harris. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, already follow his work. And if you were not aware, he has just released a new book, Energy Speaks. Um, so for those that aren't familiar, with him. Lee, of course, is the author of Energy Speaks. He's also an intuitive medium, transformational leader, musician, and visual artist. In 2004, he began holding channeling sessions and readings in his home, and today he leads workshops throughout the world. A native of England, he is now based in California. And the website to go to to find out more is Lee Harris Energy. Dot com Lee Harris Energy dot com. Um, and the book, the full title with the subtitle and everything is Energy Speaks Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening. And I can tell you guys, it is a fabulous book. Um, so, Lee, welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. Uh, so great to be back. Thank you so much. Well, we're excited to have you. Um, so um, I know we talked about this in the first interview you did um, when you were on the show, but I want to just revisit really how your story began. Um, I, I'm always fascinated to hear for people who are doing channeling for big audiences like you and some other folks who've been on the show like Sarah Landon and Paul Selig and Lee Carroll. I love hearing the stories about how the experience of working with these guides, who yours are the Z's, um, how this began. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, I was on the tube. Uh, it was that's the London Underground. And um, it was 20 years ago now. And one day I was sorting through all the voices in my head, you know, usually negative, usually self-doubting, usually self-judging. And all of a sudden, from the left, I heard this voice saying, that's an interesting way of looking at it, but that's not correct. Mm. And it was very clearly not my own thoughts and very clearly not my own mind, because I was very familiar with <laughs> those voices. Um, but this was something else, something new. And I had seen a channeler almost a year before. So I understood what channeling was, but I, I, as much as I was very self-growth oriented at that point and very into metaphysics and healing, um, I never thought that I would channel because I thought that it was something that either was only a special thing for special people um, or that it should have been more complicated than just riding the train to work one morning and, you know, doing my laundry list of thoughts. So for me, that was when everything changed. I would go home, write questions, ask questions of the guides. They explained we're your guides. Um, and as I asked questions that were both personal and universal, I started to learn a lot. And more than just mental learning, um, I started to open up and I started to expand. So it was a few years later I started to use use my channeling ability and my intuitive ability because they're, they're, they're kind of the same thing, but they're, they, they're slightly different mm -hmm. for other people. And it started with friends and um, unexpectedly I started doing it for the public and the rest is history. 
Yes, and I also was interested in the book. I didn't remember this story about you, but you you mentioned that in the beginning you were using uh, a pendulum, um, and that practice really helped you. And at a certain point, you could tell the answer in your body before the pendulum even started moving. And I was wondering if you could speak to that, because I enjoy using a pendulum. I think many of our listeners do. Um, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so there were there were several things that were kind of keys, and I think in in the I mean tarot cards were one, and um, palm reading was another. Not because I understood the lines, but that I understood that if I held someone's hand, it was almost a permission slip to give them information. So again, I mean I was literally playing with all this stuff. I I really didn't take it very seriously, but then my friend showed me dowsing one day with a pendulum. And it took about a week before I would start to know yes or no before the pendulum started swinging. <laughs> and then about another week, um, I wasn't just hearing yes or no as a word before the pendulum started moving. I was hearing information. So if I were to ask a question like, should I go to Brighton tomorrow, which is, you know, a seaside town near London where I was living at the time, mm -hmm. instead of just yes or no, I would start to hear no, because you need to be in London this weekend because there are people you need to meet. Huh. So it was kind of it, it kind of all intersected at the same time. Yeah. So it seems it seems like it is it becomes choiceless, like the guides come knocking on your door and it, it and it is your job as the channel to answer. Do you find that to be the case or for some people? Can you bring the ability out in yourself if it if the guides aren't just knocking on the door or speaking as they did to you pretty outright? Well, I think it works both ways. And and I also believe 20 years later, because there is more of an awareness of channeling, whether that's, you know, channeling an entity or a guide, or whether that's channeling your own higher self or connecting to what you see as God or spirit, um, I think it's becoming more normalized in society. So I think, you know, I always think of the hundredth monkey syndrome. Mm. You know, you show one monkey in a group how to do something and it won't take very long before a hundred know how to do it. So I always think that that level of energetic influence is possible. But for me, it was choiceless. And honestly, Sunny, I was a huge fan of personal growth, mm -hmm. but I would never have either thought or wanted to be a channeler. That wasn't mm -hmm. something that was in my mind. Um, and I think I would probably, I think at the time I was definitely probably very scared about how that would be perceived because it, it, it definitely, even back then especially so, was more taboo and there was more fear-mongering about that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it isn't something I would have chosen. It definitely was choiceless in my case. <laughs> yes. And another element to your story that I think is interesting is you are a musician. And mm -hmm. and there was a point uh, that you uh, you tell a story that you were, I believe it was at some type of a workshop or a conference, and the, the leader gave an invitation. You know, do you really want to surrender your agenda and trust the path? And there was this moment where you said, okay, God, use me. And I'm, I would love for you to speak on that element of surrender and allowing your path to unfold in the way that perhaps spirit wants it to versus what your ego had wanted maybe previously. Absolutely. I, I really now see that was a real turning point moment. It was a workshop with a brilliant man called Chuck Spezzano. It was Psychology of Vision. And I went to probably about 12 of these workshops in my early 20s. And one day Chuck said, if you would surrender the plan for your own life and just say, God, use me, come up here to the front of the room. Mm -hmm. And there were about 300 people in the room. And I would say 100 just ran up there, happy as anything, going, yay, you know, all really <laughs> thrilled. And then about 100 folded their arms and looked very skeptical. <laughs> and then there were 100 of us who were somewhere in the middle. Uh, I really wanted to be like the happy, clappy people at the front. <laughs> But I also had this part of me that was like, no, no, I'm going to be a singer songwriter and that's what I'm working on. And I've, you know, created my first album and this is going to be my path. I'm going to use my voice and I'm going to go around the world and I'm going to use my voice to give to people what music has given me to, to help change people's vibration through music and through songwriting. Mm -hmm. So hilariously, it took me years and years to remember that day because it was about three months before I did my first reading. <laughs> and I had no idea when I did my first reading that it would become, it was full time within two years because I, I couldn't 
do my job and the readings that I would do when I got home and and, and still have any energy left. So, yeah, it, it, it's been something I've been doing for 15 years now. So um, it, I, I really, I really recommend if anyone's listening to this and you resonate with what you just heard, try it. Just say, God, use me. And the other good thing about it is it does really sometimes challenge your ego to let go. Um, this idea of our mind or our ego trying to solve things for us mm -hmm. rather than co-creating with the universe and trusting that if we are willing to align for our highest purpose and our highest good, things will work out. Yeah. And you have it. There was a quote that I pulled from the book um, and it says there is a destiny path at work for us and we have free will as to when and how we will step onto it. Yeah, and I'm, I was just curious what your thoughts are on that interplay or that balance between destiny and free will. Like, how do we know? Well, they seem to be, they seem to both be intersecting all of the time. So that the one thing that the Z's have said is that there are certain people, certain places, certain events that are predestined. Mm -hmm. um, you can adjust the timeline. So, for example, let's say you're supposed to meet a brilliant friend and business partner sometime in 2019. If things go a little off for you in your life that year, something comes in and takes you off track, something will come up for them too. And you guys might be rescheduled for 2020. Mm -hmm. So there are kind of certain people, certain events, certain places. However, within that, there are probably three times as many options that we have around free will, because what's most important is not necessarily specific details, but specific energies, meaning rather than you needing to be a Western medical doctor, you came to the earth with a passion for helping other people heal their bodies. So you may go the Western medical doctor um, path, but you may end up finding yourself in acupuncture school or Chinese medicine, or you may be volunteering somewhere in the world where people need help to repair their bodies. So the one thing that I think is really key here, and, and this is the takeaway that I kind of now look back at my own story, I had a really strong feeling that I was supposed to use my voice and the words I was creating and the sounds I was creating to help people. And hilariously, all of that's true. It just didn't it just didn't happen as a singer songwriter. Although the irony is in the last three, three, four years, my music has found its way into this work um, quite organically. And um, we do actually use music as part of the work. But when I stepped back, I thought, wow, this work has taken me around the world and has connected people to themselves in the way that I was hoping the music might. And it is voice and word based. So sometimes I think it's good to ask yourself, whatever your dream or your goal is, what is the thing underneath this? So for example, if I want to run a business and have it be really successful, that's kind of the outer world side. Okay, so the business is successful. Really what your actual learning and desire underneath that is to see what it's like to be in a leadership role, to guide a team of people to do something in the world that you will feel good about and to grow through the experience of growth in business. So if you can get underneath the outer surface of your dreams or your desires, then you start to really manifest a lot quicker. But if you just get stuck on what it should look like, it can be quite hard for those things to line up. Right. And and I wanted to return to a couple things that you just mentioned um, then. Number one, when you I, I heard you say music is a part of the medicine and that you are bringing music in. And I think that's one of the things that makes you unique. Because I, I, love, um, I love channel teachings and there are a lot of channelers that I follow. Um, but I feel like you are unique in the sense that you do incorporate not only music, but also your voice, both spoken word and singing. And it's just, it really is lovely to listen to. And I'm, I'm curious about um, the, the, the difference in their, the energy transmission there, that there is both the music, the voice, the song, all of the above. I mean, there is there an energetic transmission happening, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. Well, firstly, thank you. And, and, and actually the funniest thing is that I started writing music a year before I started hearing my guides <laughs> and I was 21 and I, I never, I loved music. I loved singing. I had sung throughout my childhood in different ways, but I never ever thought that I would be able to 
compose and write lyrics and it just happened very spontaneously so i see the two as deeply connected mm -hmm. and interestingly now what will happen whether it's at a live event or whether it's for an mp3 that i'm creating because i create a new mp3 every month for my members club and it's always available at my website too um, i often now start with the song so for example this month's recording is called the way of the sensitive evolving in tumultuous times and my way in now for the channel is to go into the vocal booth with the music and start to improvise sing and just improvise melodies and lyrics that i'm feeling are going to connect with the message that's going to come through so it's interesting how the music is now often leading um, the channeled message because the two are intersected and i think what the music does is it allows the listener to the channeled message to walk into an energetic and emotional space that the music is creating, but also find themselves in the song quite deeply, because often I'll sing lyrics in the first person so that the person can think of those lyrics as themselves as they are listening to them or singing along. So it, it does really all weave together. Yeah, you can feel that. As, uh, it, it is an experience more than anything, I think, to to listen to your work. Um, yeah, and you also mentioned the Z's, and I'm, um, we, I've spoken that a couple of times. And I just for people out there who aren't familiar with your guides, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, why Z's? <laughs> yes. So um, I, when I, you know, when I was having that first conversation where you're thinking, oh my God, am I schizophrenic? You know, <laughs> sat in the train. Um, you know, I, I did because I knew about guides, and it was the only logical thing I could I could kind of make sense of. I was like, are you my guides? And they said, yes, we are. Um, they said, we are a group of 88 entities who then extend wider into source. So they said, you can think of us as a consciousness library. Now, if you think about it, we're all connected. So to me, the idea that there's this cluster of 88 of them, but that they want they want to specify that they're more than 88, you know, that of course yeah. they just connect to everything. Yeah. Um, that made sense to me. And I said, do you have a name? And they said, well, we don't have names, but we know humans <laughs> like and need names. Right. So they said, I'm the lead spokesperson and you can call me Zachary. Now, over that first few years, I met several different members, but it, you know, it kind of, I'm not a big fan of the kind of novelty side of channeling. I've never been the kind of person who's very interested in, you know, where is this being from and what was their history? That, that to me, isn't really the point of channeling, even though I get that for other people it is. So, you know, it's all good. We're all slightly different in how and why we use channeling. Mm -hmm. For me, it was about the information and about does the information work and does it enhance your life or the life of the person you're doing it for. So over the years, I met Zafariah and Zayadora, who identified as two more feminine energies. And for a little while, I channeled them all separately and named them, you know, that way. So the people who followed my work between about 2006 and about 2010 had a relationship with the three of them. Uh, this one is a Zafariah channel. This one's a Zayadora channel. And there were always slight differences. But then around 2012, they they said we're we're merging into one again because it's no longer useful to separate out the male and the feminine, especially at a time where society is learning to balance masculine and feminine energy. Mm. So we're becoming a group again. And it's not actually me that calls them the Z's. It was it was people who listened around the world started calling them the Z's. <laughs> so so we just went, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. So um so yeah, that that's how they got their group name. Yeah, and you mentioned you know what it, the the point of channeling may be different for different people, but I'm just curious from where you sit, you know what about the role of channeling at this moment in time in human evolution? Because mm. as you mentioned, it does seem like it's happening more frequently. You know, one of the things that I have come across in the workshops I've been doing for about the last 12 years around the world is I will occasionally ask a question, not for a while, but for many years, I asked this question a lot. And I said, who here feels like they have some fear of being uh, or that they were a witch and that they have mm. a fear of being crucified, burnt at the stake, drowned. So many hands in the room would go up. And there were a couple of different reasons, I think. I think some people m might have been, but I think more than that, what we were tapping into was a collective fear of being an intuitive, being a psychic, because it's really, 
only what 400 400 or so years ago mm -hmm. 450 years ago that all of that was going on I, i'm not quite sure of the timing but it's in the collective that we have been trained to fear our own connection to intuition to source it's backed up by many religions yeah. too um not all religions and not all um not all people who lead religious groups but a lot of them will say, you know, this is a sin. The only way is through Jesus or the only way is through God. And the problem with that is it disempowers people to recognize they are connected to everything. There is this incredible energy web that surrounds us all and holds us all and feeds us all and serves us all. And so if we separate people from that and don't let them see their own deep connection to all that is, coming through their own body, through their own mind, through their own senses, then you're going to have people in positions of power, gurus, uh, religious leaders, who will get control of other people's connection. Yeah. So for me, it's not that I think everybody has to channel, but I do think everybody needs to remember that they have access to a higher power or the wisdom of the universe beyond themselves. And I often get people to just sit down and write a few sentences. Um, I say, hey, just ask your soul, what does my higher self have to say to me today? And then just write those sentences down. Don't analyze it. The trick with channeling when you're writing is to behave like you are a receptionist. <laughs> you are taking dictation and what you don't, the worst thing you can do, and I, I learned this the hard way at the beginning, is to start to read or respond to what you're writing. You can do that in five minutes. Just keep writing. And then when you're finished, you can look back at it and take it in. But the trick is to just literally take it like dictation. So I'm a big believer at this time in history that it's really important that all of us are remembering that spirit is of us. It's not separate from us. And if we can all reconnect to that, whatever that means for us and however that looks, we're going to be become more whole as people. Right. Yes. And uh, so what are some of the messages that are coming through at this time, Lee, that the Z's, some of the most prominent things or the themes that they return to that are particularly relevant right now? You know, one thing that, that has been coming up for the last year or two, and they, they keep going on about it, so it's very interesting because mm -hmm. it seems in big contrast to what you're actually seeing on the planet, is they keep talking about the return of light. Yeah. They say that light is pouring onto the planet so rapidly at the moment, and they say that is why we're seeing such dissonance, that is why we're seeing such shadow. And the other thing that they talk about is that... Um, some of the more shadowy agendas on the planet that they can't hold, yeah. that they can't sustain in this frequency, that even they are going through their own radical rewiring process because of the way that everything is shifting so fast on the planet. And it's really a vibrational energy. It's not, it's not, I mean, it might look like it's to do with our governments or, um, you know, a system that exists on the planet, but actually what is really affecting and driving all these changes is an enormous amount of light and consciousness that is beginning to grow. So within all of that, the one thing that they talk about is really remembering to look after yourself. And especially if you're a sensitive and intuitive and empath, this is a really important time to develop some self-care practices to not let yourself get too overwhelmed because it is very intense, both personally and collectively, um, and that that way you'll find your balance. Right. And also, you know, before we really turn to the content in the book, which is amazing, um, I am curious with the people, with the light that's entering the planet, with the, mm. the abundance of beautiful wisdom through channeled sources, I'm curious if certain soul groups are more resonant with certain channels. So maybe one soul group is more connected to the Z's and another one is more connected to Cryon or do, is, do you find that to be true or are the messages really universal for everybody out there? I think the messages are universal in the same way music is, but some people like Metallica and some people <laughs> like the Beatles, right? right? You know, um, and the same with authors. Some people love Elizabeth Gilbert. Some people want Tom Clancy, but it's, it's their way in to that form you know there's something very meditative about reading you're connecting to your own imagination your own inner world and you're using this story to be the the the, the kind of impulse 
to take you into an imaginary or an imagined world. With music, you're allowing your senses, your emotion, your energy to come alive in a certain way. And you tend to listen to the medicine you need. So it's the same with with channeling or, or any spiritual teacher, really. Um, you know, some people want Marianne Williamson. Some people want Eckhart Tolle. Some people like both. So I think that's why one of the messages I'm always called to deliver through the Z's this last year and a half is you are needed and now is your time. And I think I think there is this strong feeling in lots of people where they feel like I'm here to do something. I'm here to to kind of contribute and to offer some part of myself. And I do think we tend to make that overcomplicated. For example, you know, it could be hanging out with your six-year-old nephew or niece or child for an hour, and you have no idea how that impacted their life and how that brought consciousness to them. But equally, sure, you might write a book that maybe 10,000 people or 20,000 people are going to see. We have to be careful of thinking of the idea of mission as this grand thing or that it has anything to do with scale or numbers. Because when you tune into that message, you are needed and now is your time, there is something that you are designed to be and do that is going to light you up. And it might be quite simple, but you bringing your energy to that thing, perhaps it's gardening, perhaps it's cooking, with some level of regularity is going to keep you feeling on track and feeling like you're on purpose. And when I meet people who are perhaps a little more um, distressed about the fact they feel like they're not on their path, they're not on their purpose, it's usually because there's quite a bit of excavation they're going to need to do on their um, either the life around them, some of the relationships they're in, the place they're living, the work they've committed to, and or their own inner patterns. Perhaps they've got really ingrained trauma that is running their life, and so they can't make their purpose work. Um, so whenever I meet that too, I'm always compassionate for that because I know what it's like when you're in that place. Yeah. But I think for anyone who's listening and it's like, yeah, I w what's my purpose? Try not to overcomplicate it. And also we can't run before we can walk. Mm -hmm. So perhaps you do feel like you're built for a bigger purpose. And right now you're really frustrated because your life doesn't look like that. Start with the first most painful thing that you need to change. Mm -hmm. So if right now your biggest pain point is you really can't stand your job, but you can't leave because you don't know where the money's going to come from, make leaving your job your focus for the next three months intend for it allow for it surrender that there can be some other path is going to be shown to you so start with one thing at a time because i think when we get overwhelmed we start to panic and we think the whole world is falling down on us then we're no longer operating from a place of openness we're just in a trauma response so if if you identify with that it's really important to go you know what i might need to look at some of this stuff i might need to really get someone or some book or some teaching or some group or some activity that's going to help me unlock this frustration or this trauma. Right. And uh, on that note, why don't we go ahead and we'll take our break. Um, so I have been speaking with Lee Harris, who has a fantastic new book out called Energy Speaks, Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening. We're going to dive into the book's content when we return from our break. Uh, you are listening to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy. We'll be back in just a few. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Are you ready to get unstuck from a bad marriage and embrace your best life? If you're anything like me, you may have spent years creating a life that looks pretty good on paper. There's just one problem. Your marriage is unhappy and unfulfilling, but you're too scared to trade your comfortable life for a future full of unknowns. In my new book, Unhitched, I will give you the tools you need to make the right decisions about your marriage, as well as the confidence that your future can be better and brighter than you can even imagine. I share my own very personal story and I will guide you through a clear process that will enable you to answer the question, should I stay or should I go? It's a process that will help you tune out fears and unwanted advice, and instead tune into your own intuition and inner wisdom, as well as exit a marriage gracefully and feel secure about your future. Get ready to trade confusion and stagnation for your best life. Unhitched, unlock your courage and clarity and unstick your bad marriage. Available today on Amazon.com. 
Did you know as many as 15 million Americans have been diagnosed with COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease? Sadly, COPD is the third most common cause of death in the United States. Hi, I'm Representative Cindy Rear from Washington. As many as 12 million adults may have COPD and not know it. COPD could include wheezing, cough, chest tightness, and shortness of breath, and it can vary from day to day. COPD is a disease that can worsen over time, and patients may experience flare-ups. Flare-ups can increase shortness of breath and uncontrollable coughing and may lead to hospitalization or even death. While COPD is not curable, there are treatments available to help you breathe better and prevent flare-ups. If you or a loved one has COPD, please talk with your doctor to create an action plan that fits your lifestyle. For more information, please visit womeningovernment.org. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy. I am joined today by Lee Harris. We're talking about his newest book, Energy Speaks. Um, so we talked a bit in the first segment you know, about your story and about channeling generally. So I wanted to really get into the content of the book. Um, so you have said that I've heard you say, I can't remember if I heard you say it or I read it somewhere, that about 80% of the book is the Z's. Um, so, yeah, tell us about how the book came about, how it's structured, what what list or what readers can expect, et cetera. Yeah, so over the last, um, uh, let me think, like 13 years, there have been all of these different topics that um, the Z's have channeled on. So sex and sexual energy, abundance, the power of relationships, uh, the, the, the art of receiving, you know, so many, many different topics, hundreds. And with the book, I wanted to, it's funny, we were supposed to be doing another book. Oh, no. <laughs> we were supposed to be doing a book that was going to be in my voice. Um, uh, and it was so interesting. It just, it wasn't coming together. And I just kept getting this feeling that we were supposed to really create this ultimate gathering of the topics that the Z's had taught on, um, but also to edit them in a way that was really user friendly. That was really important to me to make sure that the exercises were really easy to use and that the book was formatted in a way that you could go back to a chapter, just easily find the exercise and redo the exercise. So um, that's kind of how it came about. And then I asked Regina Meredith, who is a fantastic um, journalist. People will have seen her probably on Gaia. Gaia Open Minds is her show. Um, she knows so much about channeling. She wrote a great forward. And I also wanted to tell my story in the introductory chapter. So the book kind of became a, I hope, the kind of book that you read that perhaps is simply useful to you in terms of those topics but I also feel like it's a primer for channeling. I feel like mm. if you if you hear some of my story and how somewhat ordinary my life was and that this then happened, hopefully it closes the gap of belief around the fact that you can channel yourself. Yeah. So that that's kind of my intention with putting this book out. I thought it would be important to kind of um, celebrate the channeling. Yes, and I love it. I was I was telling Lee before we got on the air today, you know, for those out there, the the setup of the book, well, I've heard it said that there have been there were some self-published iterations of this book and that the the folks who have been following you for a long time say that this is a guidebook that they keep by their bedside because they can just pick it up and turn to whatever topic is you know, they have a question about or is causing them distress. And I have in reading this, this, you know, of course, New World Library has put this book out. And reading this current version of it, I see absolutely like this, I your book, and there are a couple others that this will be on my bedside table now as well. 
Um, so for those out there listening, it's basically, of course, there's Lee's story. Then there are the different sections on these different topics. But within those sections, it's not just the channel teachings, which are amazing, but there are also exercises for you to do and then also affirmations. And I just love the combination of the content with really making it experiential. I think that really solidifies the teaching. I'm sure that was the intent, but I found that to be true when I was going through it and preparing. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And we, we really, we really worked on the editing quite hard, actually. And I re I channeled some new affirmations to go along with the chapters and things. So yeah, we really wanted to make it a really complete compendium. Well, it is. And and I, I did want to ask you also, Lee, because I'm curious, there, we've got some, um, some writers in our audience, I know folks who have published or want to publish books. And you, this was self-published um, before, and then of course New World Library picked it up. And can you tell us just briefly about your your journey with um, you know publishing and deciding to do that the, both ways? Sure, yeah. So, um, so what had happened before was I'd put two books out, Energy Speaks and Energy Speaks Volume Two, and I think about half of Volume One and half of Volume Two ended up in this book. But then there are also eight brand new chapters. So. Um, Content-wise, only half of this book has been in print before, but energy-wise, none of it has because mm. we totally pulled the whole thing apart, re-edited it very deeply. Um, I found that with self-publishing, it was a great way to very quickly put work out there for the people who wanted it. But there was this call to publish because I wanted to, A, partner with a publishing house mm-hmm. so that to see to see really not just to extend the reach of the book, but also they have a whole team who work on this. So I wanted that level of care and focus to be applied by a different company than my own team as mm. as well, and to see how that would kind of up the game. Um, so I think if you're if you're still building the people around your work, your followers, it's a brilliant thing to do to self-publish because it gives them immediate access to your work, especially if you do print on demand. There aren't enormous overheads um, and it's fairly instant. You know, you can finish your book, design your cover and have it out there very quickly. Um, with a publishing house, you have more resources at the publishing house who are going to help with the book. They will have a bigger reach. For example, in my case, getting it into Barnes & Noble has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Seeing seeing the book in actual stores is brilliant. Um, the only thing to be aware of with publishing is, uh, uh, yes, of course, you know your, your royalty is far less than if you self-publish. Um, but more importantly than that, the timeline is very different. Mm-hmm. I signed a contract for this book two years ago. Wow. Um, and it was complete a year ago. <laughs> so for me, in my land of like instant releases, you know, because we are we're, we're putting stuff out every single month and I have my own creative team who helped me do that. Um, this was this was trippy for me to kind of have this, you know, have this thing like waiting for like a long, long time. So that's why this past week has been such a joy to finally not only see other people have it, but for me to be able to hold a physical copy in my hands, too. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's that is a fun feeling. Um, yeah. And I'm looking at sorry, Lee, I'm just making a little note. I hear static creeping in again. I'm just making a note for Benny. Let's see if this resolves. Can you hear it? Um, very slightly, but slightly. not it, it, it's not static at my end. It just sounds like the line might be wavering a little bit. OK, so we'll dive back in here. Okay, so let's actually turn to some of the topics in the book. Um, and it's very hard with the time that we have left. I have questions on all of them, so we'll just pick and choose. <laughs> Do you have one? Actually, let me ask you, Lee, because I've got plenty here that I can ask about any of these. Are there any in particular that you want to speak to today that you feel like are important for this audience on this day? You know, one of my favorites, um, and I've just recorded the audiobook version in a studio over the last month, and um, that probably won't be out until the end of June. Mm-hmm. But um, when I was narrating the book, I really was struck by the chapter, The Art of Receiving. Mm-hmm. And there, are, there is a trilogy of chapters in the book that are sequenced together for a reason that are all around abundance. So there's a chapter called abundance. There's a chapter called the art of receiving, and there's a chapter called loving money. Mm -hmm. And the art of receiving to me is a really interesting chapter about our limits of receiving. So we say we want abundance, but where are we pushing away things that the universe or people want to give to us? And a concrete example of this is 
you know, imagine you go for coffee with a friend and you each buy a, uh, you know, a coffee and maybe a snack and your friend goes, I'm going to get these sunny. And you go, oh, okay, thanks. Well, great. Do you say, thanks so much. That's great. Or do you say, oh, well, thanks. Well, I'll get the next one, um... which in a way is, is such a cultural uh, saying, but, you know, in a way it's kind of like canceling out the receiving. Um, it's like, okay, well, then I, I won't receive from you, but I'll make sure I get you back next time. Now, let's just flip to another example. Sonny, you go for coffee with the same friend, and this time you buy the coffee and you sit down and your friend says, Sonny, I've had this great idea. We are going to go to the Four Seasons Hotel in Maui for a week, you and I. All I need you to do is take a week off work. I'm paying for everything. Now, the abundant version of Sonny might go, Wow, that's amazing. Thanks so much. Uh -huh. But most of us would go, oh, no, you can't because you think, wow, the Four Seasons, that's expensive and there's a flight and da, da, da. how on earth can I receive this? Uh -huh. So it just kind of shows you how we're wired to have limitations around what we'll receive from each other. And sure, I mean, you know, you have to be realistic. If you can tell that someone's trying to give you something that they can't really afford, I totally get stepping in and kind of facilitating that. But that chapter really is designed to get you to take, take a really deep look at how comfortable are you with receiving. And it talks about how many in the light worker or the spiritual community, and I think this is probably true of most human beings, will often be more comfortable in the giving role, right. like sending energy somewhere, whether that energy is in the form of money or, or you know some love to somebody, or whereas receiving is something that we don't always trust. We wonder if there's going to be a, a payback. Um, and it's something that we're not we're not sure we can sit with. And so that chapter to me was very eye opening. Absolutely. And I wanted since you mentioned the trilogy of those of the three, the receiving the abundance and the loving money, I wanted to then ask you about uh, there was a particular quote from the abundance chapter that um, I would love to have you kind of unpack for us. Um, and it, it goes, a truly abundant life is one where there is surrender. So how are those tied together? Well, if you think about it, you know, so many, so many times we can be striving for what we want more of or what we want to get rid of. What if we were able to surrender to exactly where we are today and feel exactly where we are today? So, for example, you could be in a really tight financial position. You could be really struggling financially and you're perhaps panicking now about money and thinking, oh, my God, if I don't make money in the next three months, what am I and my family going to do? So on the one hand, that panic and that fear it might motivate you to try and make money, but it will probably disable you. It will probably stress you and send you down. If you can actually in that moment surrender to where you're at and go, okay, today my abundance is showing up in the form of that woman who just smiled at me. Mm. The fact that my friend wanted to buy me lunch. The fact that we have enough money for the rent for the next month. The fact that my family are all okay and healthy. So if you can actually surrender to where you're at, you can still intend to make changes, but you also, rather than feeling like where you're at is a problem or is wrong, which is you pushing against the reality you're manifesting for yourself right now, to ask yourself, okay, well, what's the blessing in this? What's the lesson in this? What's the learning in this? And try and zoom out essentially with your mind's eye, rather than just feeling stuck in that moment, go, if I were looking back at this five years from now, how would I see it? How would I view it? What would I think I was getting out of this level of construction constriction? So surrendering to abundance, which is partly receiving, but also surrendering to exactly where you are that day and recognizing that if that's where you are that day, there is a truth to it. And therefore, you can shift the way you see it or feel about it. And that will start to turn everything. Oh, I love that. And so since we're on this little trilogy, I'll ask one more question on the, the third one, the loving money of those three. Um, and I loved this quote, and I would love for you to unpack this one, too. There's just so there were so many <laughs> there are so many concepts that it's like said in the, the most beautiful, eloquent, simple sentence. But there is so much in it. Um, so this one says money is your mirror. <laughs> what is that? Huh. What do you mean by that? Or what do these mean by that? 
Well, if you think about it, money is so feeling based. And this was something I didn't really understand when I was younger. But it, the one thing that I've seen, especially with I, I did personal sessions for 14 years. And one of the things I would notice is whenever I was dealing with anybody who was going through a divorce or a separation, I can't tell you how many times people would tell me how shocked they were that their partner was suddenly very emotional as soon as it got to the division of belongings yes. and the money. And one of the things that the Z's said to a client, which I then re repeated um, to many of those people, is that um, people will get emotional about money, especially those who won't get emotional about other areas. So, of course, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be working with a woman who was so upset that her husband was suddenly all emotional about the money when she hadn't seen emotion from him for a year or two. And that was kind of mm -hmm. her wound. So money is your mirror, meaning that our emotional interaction with the world, our sense of freedom, our sense of safety is often bound up in money unless you live in a place where money is not the currency. But for most of us in our Western world, money is part of how we navigate the world and it's permission. So one of the things I always like to look at is what is money telling me today? So, oh, I have plenty of money today. What's that telling me? It means I have a certain amount of freedom. But if I have very little money and it doesn't feel right, what is it in my situation or my my scenario that that I'm I'm being shown. So for example, you know, I, I remember working with one woman and she was like, oh God, I've got no money and it just doesn't feel right. And she was very stressed about it. And I asked her about her job. And she was in a job she didn't really like and she was very underpaid. Mm -hmm. And I I just said to her, well, with your skill set, you could go to a different place over here and be earning at least, you know, a thousand dollars more a month. Mm -hmm. And she hadn't even considered it because huh. she wasn't looking in the mirror of money. She was just looking at money as a circumstance she had nothing to do with. And she was either the victim of or the victor of. Mm. And instead, I think when you start to look at your money situation and go, OK, if this is a reflection of my life, either do I not need more than this? And I just think I do because everybody else says I should. Or are there some things I can reorganize in my life to allow the flow of money to come in practically as well as intentionally? Because a lot of people will do the intention, but they won't then logically assess areas in their life that they're losing or leaking money or not receiving enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think also along that, the, the lines of, you know, really... <laughs> having that feeling of worth and and that feeding into our abundance, you've got a whole chapter on self-love. Um, and I, I've talked about this on the show before. Being that, you know, in the coaching spiritual community, I hear that word thrown about a lot, but I didn't realize until some key teachers came into my life how how it's not an amorphous, fluffy concept. It's a thing. And you write, or the, the in the book, the, the Z's write, that choosing self-love is the ultimate act of mastery because it has the power to bring all aspects of your life into alignment, and it unleashes full potential. And you've got this fabulous three-week self-love challenge in there. And I just was curious if you could speak to self-love a bit. I love I love the way you just described it. So think of it this way. Um, and I'm sure many on the call might be a parent. But if you're a parent, let's say you're a single parent and you obviously, therefore, you know, there's a lot of energy output that's required from you because you're parenting alone. Or even if you have, you know, community, you're the dominant lead parent. If you look after yourself, if you recognize, okay, I need to exercise every day. I need to make sure I take 20 minutes to draw because I've, you know, drawn since I was a kid and art's really important to me. Um, I need to make sure that I get some fresh air and you make sure that those three needs are taken care of. That's you being loving towards your soul and what your soul tells you it needs to excel you're going to be a much happier, more productive and useful parent than if you're ignoring or neglecting your own needs while trying to serve the needs of the other. So if you think of it that way for all of us, whether we're parents or not, if you have figured out what you need on a daily basis to generally have well-being, but then equally at times of stress or crisis, you don't try and keep running with the bus and you recognize, wow, you know, I just lost my mother. So of course I'm not really 
on on my game right now. So I am going to take a couple of afternoons off a week, or I'm going to take many, many weeks off. Whatever I need to do, I'm going to do it because I recognize that if I'm not feeling aligned, what I'm pulsing out into the world to others and to the universe is going to bring back the same kind of distortion. So very few of us were ever taught about what self-love is. And it's really um, just looking after your own personal needs on a daily basis. And I think the reason the Zs have spoken about it so much is because I often serve the community who identifies light workers, healers, sensitives. And sometimes those of us in that group, certainly it was true for me, we develop compensatory behaviors to try and elevate everyone else so that we have breathing space energetically so that you're not in a room with an angry person or a depressed person you kind of start to work the room a little bit to try and lighten things up and instead of having to be beholden to doing that you take care of yourself more you start to recognize i need to go and exercise and then when your own inner vibration is a little more balanced when you walk into a room that isn't quite right for you or is a little off, you either are able to shift it quicker in the room or if you can't shift it, you recognize it's time for you to leave. It's time for you to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So really self-love is all about that, that act of feeding your inner self, which very few of us were ever trained to do. Right. And there are so many wonderful um, exercises, suggestions that will uh, really um what's the word, um, foster your self-love and so many others. And I, gosh, Lee, we're right at the end of time. And I wanted to ask you about the angel behind you. That was one of my favorite sections and radical oh, expression. There's so many things. So, okay, listeners, you're just going to have to go buy the book since we're going to get to it. Um, it is called Energy Speaks, Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening. The author is Lee Harris, who has been my fabulous guest today. Um, you can find out more about him at LeeHarrisEnergy.com. That's LeeHarrisEnergy.com. And I want to make you guys also aware, um, I'm a member of Lee's portal. Um, and Lee, do you do you want to speak just super quickly? We've got like 30 seconds. <laughs> like what, Sure, what? <laughs> yeah. So um, you'll find the portal on my website. You can check it out. Um, every month I do a 90-minute energy update call, which is a calibration, and I take questions. You get an MP3 every month, which I channel very specifically for the portal group. You get Qigong. Uh, there are so many things. So it's basically for people who want to have a month monthly re wellness resource um, and have a place to connect to their spirit every month. Yes. And I find that to be very true for me and it is very reasonably priced. So check it out at LeeHarrisEnergy.com. Um, Lee, as we wrap up the show, um, do you have any final message for our listeners as we send them out into the weekend? I, like I'm sure so many of your listeners, are just grateful for you and your bright <laughs> spirit. And when I knew that I was coming back on the show today, I was like, oh, this is great. I get some I get some sunny light <laughs> and some sunny love um, on the other end of the line. So thank you for all you do. And um, to everyone listening, you know, pat yourself on the back for what you're doing. One of the things that the Zs always say is um, you have no idea how much you're affecting people. Um, and, and it's also okay on a day where you don't have it in you. And you're like, I just need to be quiet today and close the door. And, and it's, it's okay to move between those states, but you, you for sure have no idea how positively you affect other people. So I think that's a really important thing to remember. Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much, Lee. And I'm receiving your compliment. I know our listeners are receiving that as well. And um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you have been listening to Sunny in Seattle, joined today by Lee Harris. Um, I'm your host, Sunny Joy, signing off. Bye, everyone. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.